you know, I hate to rain on anyone's parade because I'm just a really positive guy, but there's a name that keeps coming up among OC rumors from Miami, and I just can't see this one happening. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So going to bring in here a very good friend of ours, colleague of ours, Brian Smith from allhurricanes.com and Fan Nation. And no, Brian Smith is not the next offensive coordinator at Miami. Uh, but but th there's no. another Brian whose name keeps getting thrown around, okay? And I want to dive into this one. A name that keeps coming up among Hurricanes fans, comes up on all the message boards, it comes up on Twitter, and I have serious doubts that he is even in consideration, specifically from his side, not from Miami's side. And that's Brian Johnson. He's the quarterback's coach for the Philadelphia Eagles who are about to play in the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's doing a great job there with Jalen Hurts and company. And a lot of Hurricanes fans keep throwing his name out there as if they know something. But I have a hard time believing this one. And, and Brian Smith, let's break this down with Brian Johnson. And again, um, I don't I don't have any reliable info that he would come here. I also don't have any reliable info that he wouldn't, but you and I, Brian, uh, we had a, a chat this morning with uh, a friend and colleague of ours, Zach Goodall from, uh, from all Gators who covered Brian Johnson when he was quarterbacks coach and OC at Florida. And first of all, Brian Johnson worked really hard to get into the NFL. And now he's going to be a hot candidate for OC jobs in the NFL and also his time working under Dan Mullen made him hate recruiting. So I don't, I don't know if he wants to come back to the college ranks. Is there any shot here? No. Um, let's be honest. If you're coaching the Eagles, number one, if you're just a football guy in general, can you really do any better than that? That's number one on the list. And number two, he's coaching a, a team that's a favored to win the Super Bowl, but set up for long-term success. That'd be a lot to give up unless there's some kind of specific tie to Florida that I'm unaware of. Why would you leave? And your point about the offensive coordinator positions, he, he's been rumored that he wanted the NFL gigs, et cetera. He's going to have a chance. Yeah. So why, why again, nothing gets my, it, it's not any program. Uh, there was a rumor shot down because Notre Dame's trying to hire somebody. He put out that he's not interested in that either. It's just, he's yeah. not going to go back to college. It's right. not Miami. So He'll be with the Eagles for somebody in the National Football League. And, and I think uh, the reason why Brian Johnson's name keeps coming up this week, I, I think it just has a lot to do with assumptions being made about the timing. Because the fact that Mario Cristobal hasn't hired anyone yet uh, is making people wonder, hey, you know what? Maybe the reason why no one's gotten this job yet, he might be waiting for someone who's coaching in the Super Bowl, so you can't do anything. If you're looking at Brian Johnson, you know, he's not going to take the job until the Super Bowl is over. But, uh, and it, listen, this is one of those things where um, 
if I end up being wrong about this, we can look back at this episode in a couple days. We can all laugh our butts off and like, wow, Dono, you destroyed this. Uh, but I don't think I'm wrong about this one. I don't think Brian's wrong about this one. Uh, I think there's about as much of a chance as Brian Johnson, the lead singer of ACDC, becoming the next offensive coordinator yeah. as Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach of Philadelphia. I just I don't see it happening. I think we can probably we could probably just put this rumor to bed. Yeah, I think it's time to move on. Um, if it happens, it's a bonus, but count me in the not happening crowd. Now, um, the the Notre Dame opening, it definitely could affect who ends up being the OC at Miami because there, there's another name of common interest here, and that's Jason Candle. You know, I, I wrote a piece at All Hurricanes yesterday uh, stating why I, I strongly feel that the next offensive coordinator at Miami is going to end up being kind of a similar situation to the new DC at Miami. It's going to be a name we're not even talking about. Now, I do believe that Mario Cristobal loves Jason Candle, the head coach at Toledo, and it was reported by Pro Football Scoop, uh, and they're usually spot on with this stuff, that Candle actually has a verbal offer from Mario Cristobal, and he is mulling over that offer, according to John Bryce of, of Pro Football Scoop. So, listen, I, I have no doubt that Mario likes Candle, and you know what? The job might be his if he wants it, but uh, as I discussed on yesterday's episode, Brian, and I want your take on this, and you, you've covered Notre Dame before. Uh, Notre Dame also, uh, he's in the mix for the Notre Dame job is Candle. He also currently has a head coaching job, so he is gainfully employed at Toledo if he wants to, to keep doing that job there. Uh, and, you know, uh, David Lake from InsideTheU.com reported yesterday that folks he's spoken to, sources in Toledo, feel that if Candle were to leave, it may more likely be for the Notre Dame job than the Miami job. So uh, the ball may be in Candle's court here, but I, I'm i not sure he's going to end up being the guy. Two points, and you and I discussed this before we came on air. Number one, I mean, I understand wanting the Miami or the Notre Dame gig at OC. They'd be fun at either place. It'd be hard to give up a head coaching job. So if either school can, you know, swindle this opportunity, they're they're doing well. He's an excellent offensive mind, runs a spread. They actually almost beat Notre Dame a couple of seasons ago yeah. in Notre Dame Stadium. And he knows how to move the ball around to different pieces. And they've had guys they developed into NFL talents, too. He's a teacher. He's a guy that understands scheme. He adapts to who they're playing. I get it. As far as where he's leaning, I've heard Notre Dame had the better shot, but that's all relative. I'm sure Mario and the powers that be could make it pretty easy to want to live in Coral Gables as opposed to South Bend. Right. I've lived in Florida and I've lived in South Bend. I know which one's more fun. So <laughs> it, it's just true. The bottom line yeah. is he's a very hot commodity. There's probably going to be somebody else. Could be yeah. an NFL team, too. You just don't know. Maybe, maybe. If he's interested in really being an offensive guy, maybe he's the next one that takes the job, you know, the Raiders or the Redskins or something like that. You just don't know. So the NFL stuff after the Super Bowl ramp up, that's something else to think about. But Candle, definitely a hot commodity. Now, I am th thinking aloud here. Like, if, if he does end up kind of deciding between Miami and Notre Dame, I do feel like the Miami job is his if he wants it. I'm not sure if – Notre Dame has him as their top candidate. Do you, any so so this may end up being where he may decide he wants to leave, but he doesn't get the Notre Dame job. So maybe that's why he could take the Miami job. Notre Dame is nowhere near ready, from what I was told yesterday, to make a decision. 
Mm, it's in a preliminary situation. Now, you got to remember, Tommy Reese took the Alabama job. That was just last week. Yeah. You know, when Nick Saban called, it, you know, I get it. So he leaves. They were caught off guard by it. It's not like Nick gave them forewarning. So Notre Dame's in a, in a shorter time frame. It may take a while. If he truly wants the Notre Dame job, he may have to let that play out. And that's a risk. What if Cristobal finds somebody else and he's like, you know what? I've got to make a decision with spring ball. Yes. Yes. That's it's it's that's why college football is so unique. It's so unique. Recruiting cycles when the coaches get a higher coaching commit between December and March, so much change happens every year, and there's no way around it. If you get caught off guard, like you know the situation at Notre Dame, they could be in trouble because they they need to move fast because some of these guys need to go. But you can't make the wrong hire either. So Freeman and Cristobal are in a very unique situation. Candle could end up waiting too long. You don't know. What if he waits too long and then Notre Dame goes with somebody else? It is so, so unique. That's another great point. The clock is ticking. I mean, Miami starts spring pride unless they decide to push back the start of it, which I guess they could. Uh, but they're supposed to start spring ball March 4th. So it's it's going to be here in three weeks. It's going to be here before we know it. So when we come back, we got a lot more coming up here with Brian Smith, believe me. We're going to talk a little recruiting a little bit later. I'm going to talk some basketball because Miami's got a big game against Louisville this weekend. But when we come back, we're going to talk about how attractive this offensive coordinator job really is based on the personnel. Our prospective OC is going to look at Miami like, hey, it's, it's a little bit of a risk here or giddy up. I can't wait to coach these players. We'll get to that and more when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Folks, this is the week. This is the week to get signed up at FanDuel. We're so happy to have Fan, FanDuel as our official sportsbook partner here on the Locked On Network. It's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party. It's America's number one sportsbook. They're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. Guys, they have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I'll tell you a few things that I like. And, Brian, you may laugh at one of these, okay? But I have this on very good authority. So a couple things actually in the game that I like. I am leaning to the Eagles minus a point and a half. Uh, I've been told may want to even wait another day or two because that may get closer to a pick So if you like the Eagles, you might want to wait. But I like the Eagles against the spread. Uh, I like the prop bet of Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown score at minus 115. He's going to score a touchdown in this game at some point. And the, the other thing that I like, Brian, a, a friend of mine is a, uh, is a professional sports handicapper. And he is 8-0 and in the last eight years on the over-under of the national anthem. And he says take the under this year. So the under on how long, I think it's a little over two minutes on the national anthem, how long it's going to take. So 8-0. 8 no, eight no eight the last eight eight years. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks Chris Stapleton is going to go under on the national anthem. So the props are so much fun. You can find all of those at FanDuel. Uh, best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen. We are part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Smith from Fan Nation at AllHurricanes.com is with me. So, you know, Brian... I look at uh, Miami's offensive personnel. 
no question the O-line is improving. And and that's why I, I feel that this job looks a lot more attractive on paper this year than it probably did last year because the offensive line looks dramatically better on paper with the transfers and the true freshman Miami's been adding. Uh, I think Miami has a nice stable of running backs. They looked like they had a nice stable last year also. Nobody could stay healthy. You know, Tyler Van Dyke, great arm talent. I get it. He's polarizing Tyler because he didn't have a great year last year. He's not very mobile, but – you know, we've seen in 2021 how good Van Dyke can be. We all know wide receiver has been inconsistent. So if you're somebody like Jason Candle or Brian Johnson or Doug Nussmeyer and like you're looking at the Miami offensive coordinator job, like how do you think as a prospective Miami offensive coordinator, do, do you think, hey, this is personnel I could really do great things with? Well, you could be any type of coach and make this work. Uh, look at the guys they, they're bringing in, Nathaniel Joseph, um, Washington, the two guys that are really twitchy. That's something that Miami has historically been able to get. And you can put those in any kind of offense. Guys that make defenders miss never go out of style. Uh, the player that I'm most excited to cover this spring for the Hurricanes is Arroyo. He's the tight end. He's a very athletic kid. Again, in this era, tight end is a relative term. He could play attached in a traditional yeah. sense, like, yeah. you know, guys that like Shockey did for the Hurricanes 20 years ago. But at the same this time, is, by the way, we probably won't see him till fall because he's he's recovering right. from an ACL. So I don't think we're gonna I'm see still going to ask about yeah. him. Like he's yeah. he's so important because you've got to have an athletic flex tight end. And, but he's one of those guys. And they got Riley coming in and, you know, they, they've got players there. So you can come out in 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends, go five wide or go traditional and put the defense in a lot of problems. Miami's offensive personnel starting this fall, while some of it is young and some coming off injury like Arroyo, is still very talented. So no matter what scheme you run, it should be an exciting and an enticing opportunity. So sticking on the offense, when you talk about players coming in, uh, guys I'm really excited to cover spring and fall – uh, the new running backs coming in, uh, thunder and lightning, right? You get Mark Fletcher, who's powerful, but a complete back. Chris Johnson, who's a track star. He's got that home run speed. Uh, how do you think that um, that Fletcher and Johnson, how can they complement one another in Miami backfields for the next few years? I think it's pretty simple. Uh, the speed that Johnson has, for those who don't know, verified 10.45 in the 100 meters, he won the Florida State Championship in his division. He can flat out fly. I've seen him up close at a practice at Dillard. His first step quickness, whether he's in the slot, whether he's playing traditional tailback, offset, running the option, RPO, he's not fun. Mm -hmm. If you put him in the backfield with Fletcher or another running back for the Canes, he can be utilized in a lot of different ways. And then Fletcher in the All-American game in San Antonio, he caught a long touchdown. Yes. He's 215 pounds, 220 pounds. He's a guy that can move, too. He's, he's, he's so underrated. Oh, he's a big, bad, big, big, bad, blah, blah, blah. He is a very versatile, versatile kid, and I think the Miami can throw the ball to him as well. So, again, regardless of who they have, a coordinator, they have guys that are with size, with speed, with the ability to catch. They can use them in a variety of ways, and I think both of them will complement each other very, very well in Miami's set for their future. I don't know how much did you uh, did you cover if at all uh, Trevante Citizen? You know he was in Louisiana coming out of high school, but uh, I, I didn't know. I, I knew obviously he was a highly rated guy, four star. Sure. Didn't watch much of him in high school, 
But then I, I watched him practicing last year before he got hurt, and he's he's a monster. Like he, uh, you know, this was eight, eighteen years old when I was watching him in fall camp. He he looked he had like just the, and I know people are going to be like, oh, you're getting too crazy over this guy, but just as far as the stature and the build, he looked like an NFL running back already at eighteen years old. It's crazy. He was from Western Louisiana, outside of a major metropolitan area. But at the same time, think about the following. A&M wanted him. LSU wanted him. Miami wanted him. Don't look at the location. Look at the offers. Is that coincidence? I mean, these are programs that get big-time running backs pretty much every year, and they wanted Trevante Citizen. That's point number one. Number two, running back is probably the easiest position to evaluate. You turn on his huddle film, about three or four clips in, I remember saying to myself, why isn't this kid rated higher? And the answer is back to point one. Ah. He doesn't play in Tampa. He doesn't play in Atlanta. He doesn't play in Miami. He played out in the sticks. And that's that's typical Louisiana. It's per capita like the highest in the country for guys in the NFL. And he's a great example for that. Miami got a steal. And if he comes back healthy, he's a guy that could be, he could end up being the starter this year. It wouldn't shock me. He has yeah. all the physical attributes you're looking for. And again, Miami's running back room is pretty darn good. I said the same thing about Louisiana the other day. Like people don't realize, because obviously, you know, most of my listeners are from the South Florida area and we know South Florida is loaded with talent, but people don't realize how much talent is in Louisiana. And that's one of the things, if I could segue to the new defensive coordinator, I don't know a whole lot about Lance Guidry as a recruiter because he hasn't recruited at the power five level, but Obviously, watching a video of this guy yelling about hilltoppers, I wanted to run through a freaking wall for this dude. I know he's got the enthusiasm that. to recruit. And I like the fact that Gidry is from Louisiana because if, if he can get into more homes in that part of the country where there's so much talent, he can help broaden Miami's recruiting base. But, you know, what do you know about Lance Gidry? Because I, I think all of us the last, you know, 36 hours or whatever it's been, we've all been kind of giving ourselves a, a crash course on this guy. His numbers coming out of Marshall look fantastic. Two points on that. Number one, you hit it. The statistics for Marshall last year and oh, people say, oh, it's Marshall. They went into South Bend and kicked the crap out of Notre Dame up front. And Notre Dame's offensive line was conservatively top 10 in the country by the end of last year. And two of their tackles are going to go in the first round when they come out. Marshall dominated them up front, though. They're well coached. Are they getting the same kids Notre Dame gets? No. no. They outscheme them, and he was the defensive coordinator. That's first point. Second, the statistics across the board, they were they had like 37 sacks. They were top 10 in several other categories, like six or seven categories nationally. They are really good at changing their fronts, making it hard for teams to scheme against them. Notre Dame struggled, just as an example, all game long because they would move after the snap. It's a lot like what Georgia does. They'll, they'll move right before the snap and cause chaos. Same thing with Marshall. That is a very well-coached team. And your point about Louisiana, if he can get this one kid a year out of Louisiana, like Ed Reed is from Louisiana, by yeah, the way. That's right. Reggie Wayne is from Louisiana, by the way. Yeah. You know, Miami's done pretty good with some of those guys. So it's a very important thing to do. You have to recruit nationally for special player, Travante Citizen, et cetera. Get 90% of your kids from South Florida if you want, but eh, sprinkling a few kids, Mr. Guidry in Louisiana, wouldn't be a bad idea. So when we come back, uh, I want to talk about the impact of losing Antoine Jackson because 
whether he's granted the release right now or not, I, I don't think he's going to be a hurricane. Whether they make him sit out a year or they let him sign somewhere else, I, I, I don't think we're ever going to see uh, Antoine Jackson put on a Miami uniform. So we'll talk about the impact of losing him. And we got to talk about hoops because Miami's going to have a big game against Louisville this weekend. Brian Smith from All Hurricanes and Fan Nation joins me. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, if you can take some time, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, uh, if you could take a couple seconds, leave us a five-star rating. It will go a long way. Tomorrow, we're going to shout out our newest five-star reviews because we've gotten a handful of new ones. Uh, so leave us a review if you have time. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. And make sure you make Locked On College Basketball your second listen with experts Andy Patton and Isaac Shade taking you around the college basketball landscape. They give some love to Miami because I, I give them enough peer pressure. Like, guys, you got to talk about Miami. So they do it. Uh, Locked On College Basketball available wherever you get your podcast. Before we talk a little bit about basketball Brian, I, I want to ask you about it. And this is, it, it's unfortunate. I always, I'm a live and let live kind of guy. You don't want to be a cane. Go go somewhere else. Find happiness wherever you have to. And there were certainly some red flags with Antoine Jackson's recruitment because he seemed to be waffling a little bit before National Signing Day. Uh, the four-star cornerback out of Dillard wants out. Uh, how does losing Antoine Jackson, how do you think that affects Miami's incoming class of freshmen? Well, number one, it changes your numbers. Keep in mind, Miami had seven guys overall, safety and corner, hit the portal. And they also lost Tyreek Stevenson, who's doing very well, by the way, really? leading up and through the senior boys. His stock has gone up. Good for Tyreek. But that's eight players. And then, of course, Cormani goes to Colorado. Now Jackson's going to go somewhere else, apparently. That leaves two players, Damari Brown and Mr. Stafford from up there, O'Galley High School, coming down. They needed three at least. So now they're down to two corners in this class. Yeah. That puts more stress on Mario and his staff. Goodry. Now, maybe they can get a transfer. Maybe, I don't know. One of the kids from Marshall, one of the kids from somewhere. Yeah. They, they've got some, but they need numbers because last year's proof. If you don't have numbers and injuries take place, what happens? The scoreboard doesn't look good. Uh, I know it's not friendly, but the number one predictor of games in any football league, any level, is injuries. It's just true. Nobody likes to talk about it, but Miami's in danger at corner this fall if they have injuries, and that's even with freshmen. I mean, like Stafford or Brown, one of them could play and or start next year at some point. They are very thin, so they need a transfer. It is, it's important to get that. And, and just to be clear, Jackson's upside was elite. He was one of the kids that not only Miami wanted, Georgia wanted, et cetera. He's an elite upside kid. He reclassified. That's a big time player. So just from a pure talent perspective, yeah, that's also a loss. And, and let me say another thing, and, and you haven't said anything to contradict this. I just want to throw that out there based on some of the comments that we've gotten at Locked on Canes. Another reason why I never want to trash these players for making changing their minds. Um, you know, I, I had been describing Antoine Jackson earlier this week as a 17 year old. He's only 16. He's yeah. only 16 years old. So, again, it's like, man. When I'm talking about this stuff, first of all, when I was 16, how mature was I? Uh, that that's people forget. People forget how young these players are. And then the other thing that I always try to remember, Brian, is when we're talking about these young men, especially the ones who are not even out of high school yet, 
these are all somebody's sons. So I'm not I, I'm no, not going to bat I'm not going to bash the young man for for changing his mind. If, if you don't want to be a cane, go go find whatever is best for you, man. But uh, True. With, with with that said, let's talk some hoops, Brian, because uh, you know Miami is they they destroyed Duke earlier this week, which was oh. just a beautiful thing to watch. Oh, <laughs> they've wow. got they've got Louisville uh, this Saturday. Uh, is Miami going to keep winning, and how do they contain L. Ellis from Louisville, who they did contain the first time they played? It's it's amazing how college basketball has ebbs and flows. Take Isaiah Long; he he had a game or two this year where he just didn't shoot well, but did that last two games in a row? Almost automatically, he's going to get 15 or more in that next contest, and he played pretty well against Duke, but he didn't even shoot as much. He was giving it to some of the other guys and. Miller was on fire. They, you know, they got the, the ball to inside of the big guy. Well, L. Ellison doesn't have as many players around him at Louisville. They're, they've not been good this year. When they played Miami the first time, they got smoked, 80 to 53. And he was one for 10 from the field. I don't care how they guard him or whatever. You can guarantee that he's going to remember that. He's a scorer. Yeah. He's averaging over 16 points a game. He's a darn good basketball player. He's not going to go one for 10 again. And, and that's very important for this following note. Miami's coming off the Duke win, as you noted, and they they absolutely throttled the Blue Devils. They beat them in every freaking category you could beat them. And hats off to them. That's one of the greatest wins, honestly, in Miami history as far as top to bottom. Like, it'd be really hard to play much better than what they did. It really was. Yeah, it was almost perfect. It really was. But can you come back against a team that you know, A, you've already beaten quite handily, 27 points, be focused, be able to get up on them and rest your starters. Because here's the key. You shouldn't only win. On Monday, they have to go to Chapel Hill. Yeah. Look, right. basketball is a different kind of gauntlet. In football, you get six to eight days, kind of depending on when your, your next game is. Six to nine. It, you know, there's some Thursday and Friday games now in college football. In basketball, a two-day turnaround. And to go on the road – to arguably the most historic program in the history of college basketball, that's not a very friendly scheduling situation. Yeah. So Carolina has been struggling a little bit. They, they're, they're going to be looking for the Canes. They need a win to kind of get into the tournament. That game's very important. That's why I'm so concerned about the Louisville game. If Miami does not come out focused from point yeah. one all the way through, that's a red flag to me. Are you a championship level team? Can, meaning can you make a tournament run? This game against Louisville is a sign. Because in the first game of the tournament, they're going to be like a three or four seed. They're going to play somebody they should throttle. Do they come out and they play that game hard too? These are the kind of games that they need to show focus. And the, the key, again, Ellison's the guy. Can they at least slow him down some? That'll be my my focus this game, and I'm really curious about it. Hurricanes are going for fourteen and zero at home, so just make, oh, make sure this yeah. make sure this is not a trap. Like you said, I, I would describe it as as a trap game, right? And 100%. and they've obviously they they've done so well this past week as they beat Clemson on the road on Saturday. Then they had the two day turnaround, but it was at home the next one. But they beat yeah. the brakes off Duke, so they've got another Saturday Monday coming up. Do not let this Louisville game be a trap game. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. And man, Co Coach L has had these guys ready, Brian. Oh. Look, they're a team that if people sleep on them, they could be in the Final Four. This team can flat out play. The game against Duke, and I know Duke, this is not a vintage Duke team, yeah. but they they embarrassed them from start to finish. I honestly do not remember any Duke team in the last five years getting beat like that from play one on. I mean, it was 13-1 to one 
13 to one. I like the first time it was just insane. So yeah, Miami is very good. Now they need to prove it because now they're going to be the hunted instead of the hunter teams are going to come after them. And that's a different kind of situation. Yeah, I remember. And, and by the way, uh, on tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk some Canes hoops with uh, Melissa, who's better known as Hoodie Girl, who's a, a legendary Miami Hurricanes fan. And like she was telling me because she was working during the Duke game, so she couldn't like watch it live. She tried to pull it up on demand. They're usually available. That game was not available. I think ESPN was trying to protect Duke from being so embarrassed. I think that they, <laughs> I think that they're playing favorites. Like Duke got humiliated. We are deleting this from our records. No one will ever watch this game ever again. So you always yeah. want to DVR these games, folks. You never want to leave it to chance with on demand. Uh, but huge stuff as always. Brian Smith, a wealth of information. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at FB Scout underscore Florida. Check out his work at allhurricanes.com. Brian, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. So, guys, make sure you make Locked On College Basketball your second listen after making us your first. And we will talk to you again either tomorrow or if a new offensive coordinator gets hired today, we'll talk to you later today. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.